and welcome to another episode of This Feral Life Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Uh, sorry we missed last week. Last week was just super busy for everybody. Uh, we had a bunch of, you know, family stuff going on, and man, it was just so hot. We really didn't feel like doing much. It was like 108 degrees, and you just didn't, you just didn't feel like getting out there and doing anything, so absolutely nothing interesting happened. Uh, a little quick farm update is they actually started building stuff on our property. So that's pretty cool. We got the email uh, earlier saying that they're going to start road construction and doing the culverts and all that fun stuff. Hallelujah. Yeah. We are super stoked. We cannot wait. Come on, farm. Come on, Let's ice cream. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, super excited about that. Really, really happy to see this, this coming together because um, it's been a long, long, long road. And uh, we're just really, really pumped to get this going. So, uh, today's episode is going to be uh, brought to you by the letter money, right? <laughs> Cash rules everything around me. Cream. Yes, yeah. money. Money, money, money. It's how to uh, monetize your farm. And uh, things that we're not going to cover in this episode is we're not going to cover monetizing your animals. Because that, that deserves its own episode. And that's a really big episode, a heavy episode. And we're not going to cover like monetizing your equipment. And how to make your equipment pay for itself. Those are two separate episodes that we will talk about uh, within the next two weeks, right? So this one's just going to be like your farm infrastructure, deciding on what to grow, what direction to take your farm. I mean, it's cool to be a general homestead farm. And you can totally live with that your entire life and just be like, hey, this is our farm. And it does a little bit of everything. But if you want your farm to make you money, you kind of have to pick something to do with your farm. Yeah. So uh, for us, for example, like uh, I know that we're getting older. We're not uh, spring chickens anymore. It's not like I'm ready Speak to go. Speak for yourself. I'm not ready to go. Oh no, to I robbed the cradle, right? Yeah, you you're younger. The cradle. Yeah, totally. I'm like what, like eight months younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a total cradle rob, right? Uh, I'm eight months younger than she two is. Two years. Two. I'm two years younger than you are. Wow, it was a total cradle. But rob. I look good, so. So you know, it's just like Don't hate. we're 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 forty plus, and we're just. Like, I don't want to go out there and crawl around in the dirt for 12 hours a day. Like I've done previously with previous farms that we had. It's just, the idea is, does not make, my knees are like, no thank you, man. <laughs> right? They're like, it was fun. It's like that, that old countryside, you know, as good as I once was. But I'm going <laughs> yeah. once as I always was. And it's like, I'm not ready to, 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 to put the knees out to pasture just yet. I'd like to hold on to my original knees for as long as possible. So we know that we want to have a large vegetable garden, but we don't want to go the absolute insanity that we used to do, where we have like 10 acres of vegetables. I just, we'd have to hire people. It just doesn't make financial sense at the time. Not when everybody and their mom at every um, farmer's market is growing squash. Yeah. So we learned, we learned really quickly, like what requires more resources, more labor, um, shelf life played a huge factor, right? Um, oh, yeah. And so, and just generally knowing like what your people want, you got to listen to your customers and your consumers in in your area. So, what are they looking for? What are your popular items? And test things out. And that's how we figured out um, wor what worked best for us to monetize. Yeah, and for us uh, personally, and we'll talk about it quite a bit. Is it fruit? There's a huge, like, what do you call it? Like a fruit desert. Like, mm -hmm. there's plenty, everybody and their mom's growing vegetables, growing cucumbers, growing squash, growing some peppers and a few tomatoes, uh, and selling them at the farmer's market, but nobody has fruit that's local. 
right? So for us, I had fruit trees. I love fruit trees. I love orchards. I love, um, you know, doing a vineyard and doing a berry patches and all that stuff. So we're going to be doing fruit. And uh, that works out good for us because we love to make wine and beer and ciders. And we'll talk a little bit about that and how you can turn that into a business, a side business as well. Um, and then uh, you, my wife absolutely loves flowers. Mm-hmm. And flowers, it turns out, uh, they make a lot of money. Yeah, so definitely that's going to be a one acre on our property is going to be dedicated just to a flower farm. Um, I'm going to specialize specifically in peonies um, because you can sell a peony for 5 to $9 a stem. Um, so a stem, a stem, a, freaking a one stem. single flower. Yeah, and so there's so many things that you could do. You can um, actually provide flowers for weddings. You can make baskets. You can sell flowers. You know, at a farmers market. Um, I you mean, can freeze dry. You them. could freeze dry them. I have freeze dryers. You know, so it's just, it's it just made monetary sense for me to go down this route. And then plus, I have a background in floral design. I've been designing weddings for many years now. I think seven years. Um, that I've had my floral business, you know, um, active, uh, and so the, the the flowers as well. They have a secondary income besides just selling the actual flowers. Well, there's actually three ways to monetize that. You can propagate them and sell those starts, mm-hmm. and you can uh, charge people to come out and take pictures. Yep, it's all about Instagram, guys. If they come out and take a pictures, in a, it's in all a about TikTok and full you know, Snapchat, IG, mom. yes. Yeah. We will give you the beautiful landscape for your photos, you know, whether that's the flower field, whether that's in the orchard, whether, um, you know, I create a seasonal backdrop for you to come take pictures at, you know, um, so I know that that's also uh, another revenue stream. So me and my husband have a hobby, I would say it's a hobby, in creating revenue streams. Um, the reason why um, is because when we worked at a farm, you know, um, we saw how they ran the farm. And we saw how they had, you know, different revenue streams all over the place, you know, whether it was like, and it was from, and we were limited. Yeah. Yeah. They would, they had an idea of how they, we ran the farm for them. They had an idea of how they wanted their farm ran and they wanted their farm ran a very particular way. And it clashed with the idea of monetize everything to us. They wanted only very certain things monetized and to just kind of forget about all this other stuff going on over here that was easily monetized. Yeah, so which makes this super exciting because now we have control over what we want to do and we have a list. So I hope you guys are tuned in and excited because if, you know, creating your hobby farm, making a little bit of of income, you know, to be able to live off that is what, you know, gets you going and what you're, if that's your dream, like we will help you get there. We're going to give you a blueprint on how to monetize, you know, um, anything from veggies to to flowers, flowers to value-added products. Yeah, exactly. So the and we're talking like bougie, like artisanal products, right? Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that you have to consider is, you know, you don't want to just go out there to a farmer's market with everyday squash because it's not going to wow people. You're so not you need that wow factor. With yeah, and, and it's everybody. A race to the bottom yeah, of everybody prices. grows yeah. like squash. I mean, we couldn't give our squash away. Oh, we tried. And we believe me, <laughs> we would literally say, "Hey, go ahead and take it home." And the problem is, is that a lot of people don't know how to cook. Yeah. They don't know what the heck to do with it. They don't know what the heck to do with the spaghetti squash, or you know. So then we were like, "Well, let's you know write let's little recipes on our squash." Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, they're like, wow, right? I'll just have to put throw in some hot so water. So now we're, we're considering yeah. like even like freeze-dried freeze soup mixes, um, you know, at the farmer's market, like all natural ingredients. Wouldn't that be cool, right? Um, so, yeah, there you go. There's another one. So we're going to we're gonna really drop some 
some gems here, guys. So I'm super excited about this episode. My husband knows that this gets me going. It's just because, like, why be one-dimensional, right? Like, yeah. why be the everyday, like, bland, you know, if, if you know, a person was, was like, a DMV or, or, like, just beige, right? Like, I just think beige and just bland vanilla. <laughs> And so um, I, I, I'm just very creative. I, I'm very social. And those two components really help me uh, with talking to people and, and selling products. And so that's good. And, and then there's just... you can monetize something. Do it. It doesn't matter if you, you don't have to throw 100% of right. your work into it. Like, say you wanted to, to sell flowers. You don't... I mean, if that's your primary thing, awesome. If it's not, it can be a side gig. You could have everything on your entire farm be little side things that bring in money. And it's like a rain shower, right? If you just put a cup of water, a cup out there in, in the yard, it's only going to catch an inch of rain. But if you catch the water coming off the roof of your farmhouse, you, you fill up a swimming pool, right? And that's kind of the way it goes, is you monetize everything on your farm, little mm -hmm. bits here, little bits there, and it all channels into one big revenue stream. Yeah. What really blows my mind is that this is just us monetizing things on our farm and we're already, you know, segmenting different episodes because there's so much you can do. So when you come to my husband and I and you give us your story and you say, oh, I don't know what to do. I, I can't do anything. It's, you know, all the odds against me. It's like, think bigger, you know, like. Well, and, easier. And, yeah, or easier. Think and easier. think outside the box, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Fail fast, you know, and yeah. learn and move on. You know, and don't be afraid to ask. You know, ask questions that are tough. And I think most of the time, when I hear when I, when I hear people say they can't do something or another, it's usually out of a, a fear of failure, or they think that they need to be so big they need to compete with with H E B or Walmart or something. No, you're not competing with them, and they're not even competing with you. You're, you're selling a completely different product. You're selling an artisanal, handmade product that is exceptionally local. They're selling to the general public. Right, like the people, and then you can also you can you can sell a lot of this stuff online as well, and that opens up another revenue stream for you. But be advised that once you sell on, once you start selling stuff online, everybody in the world's going to copy it, and uh, especially if you have a very unique product, and then now you're just competing against yourself and the world of Etsy. Right? Does that make sense? Because everybody kind of yeah. like copies living crap out of everything. Yeah. But if you make stuff, I'm a very big proponent of value-added products. That's where taking your peppers you grew and pickling them, and now they're pickled peppers. That's a value-added product. If you were to take, like, the handful of peppers that are in a pint jar of pickled peppers, uh, they might sell for a dollar, right? For, uh, like, a quart, uh, uh, like a quart little basket of, of regular peppers. Might sell for a buck. But now that you've pickled them, it's a $5 jar. Right? So they've gone up quite a bit in value just by you touching them and handling them for a few minutes. Um, and so anything you can do to add value to something increases uh, your profit margin on it. Um, and it can be really simple, small stuff. One time we had a ton of zucchini. This is back when we had the big mm, farm, yeah. and we made just zucchini and yellow squash. And I was like, man, what do we do with this? One nice person on the forum was like, hey, have you ever heard of uh, squash relish? And I was like, no. Is that a thing? And so, quick little trip to Google, it's a thing. 
squash relish is basically like uh, pickled relish, mm -hmm. but made with squash. And it's delicious. Yeah. And we made tons and tons and tons of it. Like many, many, many pint jars. Mm -hmm. And we've had to get people to taste it. But once they tasted it, they were like, wow, I'll take two jars. Because it's a novelty. It's really cool. And it's delicious. Yep. Um, and it was a good way to get rid of, take that, that, that zucchini and the yellow squash, which we couldn't give away. Yeah. Uh, I mean. You know Need how productive a, those things are. When they're really uh, turning out, you you have pickup truck loads. You go to the food pantry, and they turn the sign around on you as soon as they see you driving in to the parking lot. Because they're like, oh, heck no. Those are those guys again. They're going to come in here and try to offload some squash on us. We just don't have anywhere to put it. Honey, you have the Midas touch, though. Everything that my husband touches and grows, like it's just like it's feverishly growing. Like You have to trim... You know things with hedgers. Like you, have, you have to trim our what? What, what bushes the were they? The basil. basil. Oh, it basil bushes. was out of control. It was. It's. It was bushes. <laughs> it was very tall bushes. So it turns out, with like benign neglect, uh, basil grows like a weed. And we had like, well, that was like six foot tall basil. It was so much basil. Just so, it was like six foot tall and like twenty feet wide. It was just one row of basil. And so I was like, you know what? This stuff is so thick. I bet you that instead of sitting here and just like clipping it with scissors, I bet you I can just take the hedge trimmer and just like treat it like a hedge. Yeah. And uh, just just put down a tarp and harvest the basil that way. And you know what? It works out really well. I was harvesting basil. I just squared it off into like a four foot tall hedge. It was a beautiful hedge. We were like, oh wow, that's a really exotic looking hedge. What is it? I was like, that's basil. <laughs> it's not a hedge. That's that's just. Like a whole mix of basil. We had the Genovese, we had um, the Thai basil. Oh yeah, we the Genovese the, is my favorite. Yeah, we had the the, the Genovese is that big, big leaf one that with the licorice type taste, mm -hmm. the real like Italiany one. It makes the best pesto. Uh, and so then what? What did we do? We turned around and made a lot of pesto, and people would buy our pesto left and right. And then we were known for pesto, and you, it was just about making those value products, the the artisanal value products that people look for. Um, and then our zucchini, like, you know, Eric stated he, we had a plethora of zucchini. Like, we didn't know. We had zucchini coming out of our ears. We didn't know what to do with it. Oh, so man, then we the made, we started, yeah. <laughs> so then we started making a zucchini bread. And so we would have zucchini, zucchini bread at the farmer's market. Chocolate and zucchini bread. Chocolate zucchini Holy bread. Crap, I mean, everybody sells. loved it. And we like, would have ooh. lines at our little farmer's market, you know. So it was just really cool, and it gave us a sense of pride to know that people liked our products and we were making cool things and we were building a brand without even trying, really. Yes, and that would probably be the, that would probably be the first thing is to build your brand. Yep. You don't need to pay somebody to build you a brand. You've got access to all these AI things to come up with a logo for you. Um, but you don't need to pay anybody. Just once you've got your logo, print some stickers or pay for them to get printed and then put them on everything. It's really cheap. Like, it's really easy. We, we come up with brand stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we did buy that little heat press so we could make our own shirts and hats mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, which is a lot of fun, but it, 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 there's definitely a learning curve for that. Yeah. I've messed up more hats and give it away, a lot of, like, crooked But that, hats. that's what it's all about. <laughs> it's about the learning curve and the experiences yeah. and, you know, like I said, failing fast. And, okay, well, it didn't work, so let's do it this way. And I can't tell you how many shirts I've thrown away that I've ruined or not thrown away, recycled um, or given away to Goodwill that I've <laughs> literally ruined. Um, and so, I mean, but it, I, then I got better at it, and then we made some awesome shirts. And so it's just everything's a learning curve. Like, I mean, we only live once, though. Like, Yeah. 
So, uh, let's talk about, uh, so yeah, I planted a whole bunch of uh, basil. Basil turned into a, a whole bunch of pesto. And I think we gave kind of like a pesto recipe away before, didn't we? Uh, yes. Yeah, a while back. And so, it, like, so pesto really sells well. What did we have? I think it was like, a, like it was a the half. It was a pint. four ounce. It was a four ounce jar. Yeah, it's like a half yeah. pint jar. And we sold for what? Ten bucks. Eight. Eight bucks. So it was eight bucks for a half a pint jar, and uh, which made which was enough to make several meals because we sold it as pesto concentrate, right? So what it was is it was just as basically as much leaves as we could shove into the blender with just enough oil to make it move and shred we weren't like it was it was like 90 percent leaves 10 percent oil and we'd tell people like take two tablespoons of this pesto concentrate and then put it into a shaker or a jar and then add some olive oil to it and then stir it up and then taste it and see if it gets wait till it gets to where you like it so that one little eight ounce jar or a little four ounce jar would make you know four or five meals for a family mm-hmm. and people loved it man we had people that would just eat it straight why out would of the they love it jar. though that we did there was one key thing that we did that made people love it even more is not only was our pesto delicious because my husband here is you might as well be a michelin chef i swear i'm so spoiled um but he would make uh fresh baguettes to go with it and so we had these long you know french baguettes that we would wrap in this butcher paper and it looked all cool and they were walking out with their you know baguette and their pesto and people loved it people ate it up literally yeah so the baguettes are Stupid, stupid easy to make. Like, yeah, we knocked out like I think like one oh. night we were like, hey, let's make let's make baguettes, and we made like thirty of them, forty of them. Yeah, we ended up just like covering every surface of the house in them. So they're really, really easy to make. Just uh, think like a pizza dough, and uh, and then let it just like ferment a bit longer, right? And then take it out, roll it into big old snakes. Like my the kids love it. Just roll it between your hands while you're above a table. And let it just, let gravity help you. And then uh, lay them out flat, spritz the crap out of it with some water while it's baking to get that crispy, like, crust on it. So halfway through the baking, they bake fast. Mm-hmm. Like 450 degrees, like 10 minutes are done. At five minutes, open it, open up the oven, spritz, 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 spritz. And that causes like a cracker, like a uh, saltine cracker, like crust to the top of them. And then you're done. And then they come out and then they, they you know, take them out just before... They're actually 100% done cooking, and just they'll, they'll finish cooking, but it gives it with that terry chewiness when you tear it open. Um, and you can do, oh man, a bunch of them at a time. That five-gallon bucket worth makes like 50 baguettes, and you're looking at maybe like 30 cents worth of time and materials per baguette. I mean, yeah. Uh, so they're easy to give away or sell. Because once again, if you're talking about like what's it called, the cottage industry laws, mm-hmm. you can make bread and sell it to your heart's content. Depends on your state. Yeah. You know? Well, in Texas, you can. You yeah. can make and sell any type of bread you want, dessert breads, bread, whatever you want to your heart's content. Uh, and we're going to be putting out our book of uh, bread making and with all of those recipes of how we did all those different stuff and uh, like, you know, the zucchini bread, all the different ones. We'll put our book out, and I'll work on it, I swear, this week. And we should have it out in the next 10 to 21 days. Uh, it takes a minute to hit and get published. Speaking of which, the kimchi book's up. The kimchi book that. is up. The Super exciting. Book. The kimchi book at Banchan. So it's about uh, fermented stuff, fermented foods, basically. 
and kimchi, side dishes, all sorts of good stuff. Has some of my favorites in them. It's just a short book. I mean, it's only like uh, 20 or so pages. So it's, uh, it's, it's only like $5.99. It's on Amazon. It's called KAF, or Kimchi as blank. You can you fill in the F part yourself. But the U has a little asterisk. So it's uh, Kimchi as, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 I swear a lot. I try not to on here, but I have a dirty, I have a dirty mouth. And um, so you can go and pick that up. But it's really simple stuff, guys. Like it's really, really easy to monetize different things. We enjoyed cooking, and we like making that kind of stuff. So it was really easy to make a cookbook for the house. And everybody's always wanting to know what our recipes are. So I was like, ah, I'll start sharing some of them. But uh, I'm not going to put together a huge, giant, you know, 300-page cookbook. I'd rather just do a whole bunch of little cookbooks. Because uh, there's only certain things. Like if you want bread, you want bread. You don't need to have kimchi and bread together, right? So we do kind of those little things like that. Um, See, and that's another way to monetize yeah, your another farm. Way to monetize you know, there's just it, the list is endless, really. Uh, butters, compound butters, those work really, really well. Uh, I saw that on your list. <laughs> don't be looking at my I'm list. I'm looking at your list. You're way more organized than me. Yeah, I know. Everything's just <laughs> off the top of my head. So I plan on having a mini Jersey and a mini Highlander cow on the farm. So. Um, I'm going to make butter. You know, I'm going to have an excess of milk every day. Um, there's going to be an apparatus that I have to put on my cow and all that good stuff. And then I'm going to have, um, you know, milk and I'll make, I'll do butter, cheeses, you know, all kinds of stuff. So compound butters are really easy to make, guys. Um, it's just kind of melt your butter a little bit, gently, preferably in a double boiler, uh, and then add your spices, mm -hmm. your herbs and stuff to them. And uh, then... Cooling it down in a controlled fashion. Don't just crash it in the refrigerator or it'll separate. So you just kind of cool it down in the bath while you stir it constantly. Once it gets to the point where it's malleable, you can then put it into molds as you like, uh, which little pretty molds actually sell pretty well. Um, my favorite ones are like the flower molds, like the silicone flower molds, or weirdly the silicone turtle. It, it sells. I don't know why people like silicone turtle butter, but they do. And then put like a little sprig of rosemary on top of it and then wrap it up in your pretty cellophane and, uh, you know, sell it so you can buy butter and then resell it. Buy bulk, like high quality butter. Don't buy, you know, just, what is it, Walmart brand, not butter, you know, hydrogenated soybean oil butter. But buy real stuff and then uh, if you provide a quality product, you can charge quality prices for it. Uh, we also have, she has on her list, uh, wines and ciders. Okay, so this is a um, gray area. No, you can't make hard cider and wine and sell it to the public without a license. Um, that might vary by state, but it uh, is definitely not something you want to do. The license is, however, quite cheap, comparatively. So if you wanted to go, if you had like a whole bunch of fruit and uh, fruit trees and you want to make wines and ciders, you could totally do that. Now, on the flip side of that, selling classes on how to learn how to make wines and ciders, extremely profitable. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. We have a uh, parties that we, on the old farm, where we would have a cider fest or an apple fest. And we'd throw this big giant party and then we'd come out and help make... Uh, everybody come out to, uh, we charge an, an entrance fee per like individual or per family. 
and we would like cook and everything was apple themed mm -hmm. and uh, we would use basically them as slave labor they we would they would pay unknowingly to come and harvest our apples for us <laughs> right <That was> fun. <laughs> yeah I was like we're gonna have an apple festival yay everybody let's go pick apples for four hours yeah. and learn and to just talk about apples and learn about apples and everybody's gonna pick apples it's gonna be a lot of fun then we're gonna take all the apples back over to like the, the gazebo place and eat some barbecue and the kids are going to dunk for apples and make caramel apples and we're going to do a, yeah. a, a cider making demonstration and let people take home some fresh pressed cider and uh, or sell them a little kit to ferment their fresh pressed cider you know with a little jug a little stopper like a air stopper at the top a little packet of freaking yeast and say dump A and B put the top on and forget about it for six weeks uh, and, you know, it's really, honestly, that simple. So, you, okay, the, they've earned, as is part of their, like, you know, deal, the, the one gallon of cider, uh, the food, and everything else, and taking them as many pictures as they want for in a trade for their slave labor of coming out <laughs> to help us, right? But we also they, they pay 20 bucks to come to the party. So we've already covered our expenses for the food, right? And we're getting the value to the farm from having them pick the stuff for us. Uh, so to, to you know pay them back, they get a gallon of the fresh pressed cider per mm -hmm. family or per person, depends. And then uh, now you can sell them a little five dollar kit over here with a dollar airlock and, and a twenty cent package of yeast, uh, like a nice ale yeast, and they can make their own cider at home. And that is perfectly freaking legal. Now selling them hard cider is not. Offering hard cider to drink at the party is perfectly legal. If they're over the age and you want to you want to bust out your farm-made uh, cider and charge a cover fee. Hey, I'm going to throw a dinner. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be Harvest Festival dinner. Uh, if you would like to buy a drink pass that's uh, uh, for alcoholic beverages, if you're over the age of 21, come get your bracelet. Bracelets are, man, they come in packages of 100 yeah. of them. They're cheap as heck. It's little party bracelets. Pick the color you like. All right, well, the party bracelet's, you know, 30 bucks, and that gives you unlimited uh, drinks. So they can come up to the bar and get their pitcher full of ale, their pitcher full of wine, their pitcher full of beer. And you can do it that way because they're, they're buying a uh, into the bar, right? Or they're buying a drink pass. But they're buying uh, to with their food, but you're not selling the individual drinks or the bottles. So you can do it that way on your farm and do it really well. Are you running a bar? Eh, not really because it's on your present, you're yeah. on your property and it's not leaving your property. Do you run the risk of overselling to someone, having them get shit-faced, crash, and die, and their families sue you? Yes. yes. So, so be very careful. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you know that you've seen this individual several times, then stop serving them. Yeah, if you got a guy over there, he's slurring. He's like, give me another thing, grog. You're like, ha, you're kind uh, And you're taking a cab home. Yeah, you're going to take a cab home. It's worth it for me to pay 20 bucks to send you home on an Uber and have you crash. You can come pick up your keys later. You know, uh, and not a problem. I mean, we've done that before, and, and everybody was happy. They felt good that we had taken care of their friend. You know, like oh man, they made sure they got home safe. So yeah. we got that that we got that good guy award, <laughs> which uh, is having a good reputation. The good guy award yeah. type stuff is always word of mouth going to help you immensely on your farm. Yeah. Plus, this is also brand building, right? You're getting brand recognition within your community. You're doing good things for your community. You're get, you're involved. You're networking. You're being social. 
Um, so it's always great to, you know, have those little events just to kind of bring people together. Yeah. You had, uh, let's see, mushrooms up. Oh, yeah. So mushrooms, gourmet mushrooms are a big uh, profit-making uh you know, uh, venture, <laughs> venture. That you, and actually that's how we started. You know, we went down the rabbit hole of, you know, I saw a woman that had a mushroom farm and I was like, Hey, I've never thought about growing mushrooms. Like, have you ever grown mushrooms? And, you know, we had this whole conversation and, you know, we were like, okay, let's try it. And so we did and voila, we're really good at it. Surprise. Eric's really good at it. Um, and so we saw that there was opportunities to sell to local restaurants, to sell to people, um, that are just wanting to, you know, it's another, um, it's another, it's another, it's oh another God. revenue stream. Yeah. No, I was, uh, as far as food. Oh, um, why am I stuck? I I'm don't know. having a brain fart here. Uh, it's just, if you're, I'm going to, I'm going to warn people right now, avoid growing trumpets, right? And avoid growing, uh, the oyster mushrooms. Everybody and their mom is growing oyster mushrooms. It's another food source. There we go. That's yeah. what I was saying. It's another food source, right? So if you're a vegan and it plays into your diet, then, you know, great. Like, it's a meaty food source. It gives you a lot of vitamins, and people are all about it right now, especially drinking it in their coffee. Um, it's good. You know, it, there's a lot of, of good things about mushrooms. So anyway, I can go on and on, but that's probably another show. Um, yeah, stay so, to the three. Yeah. Stay to the three bit most profitable. Lion's Mane. Shiitake and reishi. Shiitake is amazing. And, yeah. guys, it was super bougie because I grew my own shiitake mushrooms in my kitchen. And how cool was I to be able to, like, cut my shiitake mushrooms fresh off the block to cook a, an awesome meal? Like, that's the level of foodie that we're at. Um, so we love that kind selling of stuff. Selling mushroom kits was selling quite, mushroom kits. quite lucrative. Yep. We still do that. Yeah, so people can uh, grow their own uh, gourmet mushrooms at home. Like, definitely, we are. there's another way to monetize that. Selling them the um, genetics of yeah. the mushrooms, you know. So lion's mane, you know, pink oyster, shiitake. Those are the ones that were the most popular and requested. Yeah. Um, especially lion's mane. The pink oyster is kind of works as like a good uh, bacon substitute. Yep. Weirdly, it yeah, doesn't it, smell like bacon, but, but it tastes like it, bacon. It tastes like bacon. Yeah, you and you cook Weird. it just like bacon. Like you make it crispy and it tastes like bacon. The only reason I'm saying is stay away from those is they're sensitizing. All right, uh, they the oyster mushrooms. If you breathe in the spores a lot, they'll cause an allergic reaction to you every time that you get near the spores. So they're super sensitizing. It's a defense mechanism of oyster mushrooms. So I, I, to me, it's not worth it. It's uh, it's not worth it. Not for the price that they go for, which is super, super cheap. No, compared, the portobellas did well. The portobellas did well. Uh, those are kind of, they have to grow slightly different. But uh, as far as, if you were to do this, stay the shiitake and lion's mane and make some money yep. at it. Those require minimal babysitting. They're super, super easy, and they're high dollar. Yep. Um, and then we have, you know, uh, there's so many other things. So do you want me just to rattle off this list? Because I feel like I should. Well, you got, we'll talk about your candles real quick. Okay, so um, candles. Candles do very well. I was chicks making love candles. chicks love candles. People, everybody digs candles, especially for the fall. If you're doing, like, fall scents. Like, you really have to, it, it's all about a theme, right? It's either... You know, uh, based on. Dude that was taking white clock cans and making candles. Yeah, exactly. They were selling them for like eight, nine bucks a piece. Yep. 
and probably recycled cans too yeah. at that, you know? It's like, well, get together a drink with the buddies and we yeah. take the tops off. Exactly. Pour um, some stuff in there. I, I have a, a cutter for bottles. So I would uh, get the uh, Topo Chico bottles and I would make candles out of those. And so they would sell really well. I would put crystals in them, some glitter, and nice scents, you know. And they were soy candles and, and the best natural candles that you can have in your house. And it, they were safe to have if you had babies, things like that. And so people bought those like hotcakes. Like, I couldn't make enough candles. And so that's a good, that's another one. Yeah, so, like, little things like this, guys, like, easy things. Even if you're retired, you've got arthritis, it's hard to do. You can pour wax from your microwave into a... Into a candle, right? Yeah. Uh, so all these are easy, easy, easy things you can do. We, we end up with a lot of our uh, listeners are older. People, some of them are quite old. Like, they're in their 50s and 60s. Actually, the demographic's changing, though. Like, I think ever since COVID, you know, our, well, a we lot have of our listeners, listeners are a lot younger now. Yeah, we have younger listeners. But we do have, I, we get email from a lot of the older people. Yeah. Who have, like, you know, they might have a disability of some sort. They're looking for extra income for, to make off of their little farm that they have. <laughs> Man, candles are so easy to make. Yeah, candles are fun. You just got to be really careful about painting yourself into a corner with candles. If you're going to be the weird hippie person with candles, own it. But if but if you just want to be general, hey, these are just awesome farm candles. Yeah. I would stay on the more neutral side of, hey, these are awesome farm candles, than try to paint myself into the corner of, hey, I'm a hippie and this uh, rubbing this counterclockwise on your foot cures athletes oh yeah don't do that i mean i like putting the crystals because it looked pretty and people were really digging those types of candles at that time um so i was just listening to my audience and you know i thought they were pretty and i liked them so there was that on your cement pots yeah the cement pots are really cool because you can make cement pots really cheap uh they're very cool looking um that you can paint them you can uh, put starters in them, you know, and sell like little starter plants to go with your cement pots, and people love them. Um, so they're just really cool looking, and a lot of people are all about like the cement countertops right now, the more natural looking um, homes, natu- natural elements in your homes, and so um, yeah. So again, listen to my audience. Uh, I've even seen the, the the silicone molds for those. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, on uh, Amazon. All types of silicone molds. Uh, you could use a beach ball. You could use all kinds of stuff, you know. But that that's going to be, uh, that was a really good one. We've covered j- oh, jams and jelly, obviously. Jams and jellies, obviously. If you obviously. have an orchard, you're going to yeah. have to make jams We've and jellies. breads. Uh, Random pastries. Pastries. Pastries sell well. People yep. like, I mean, look at America. We're not skinny people. Uh, we love pastries. <laughs> so pastries work really, really well. Um uh, I mean, what uh, what do you mean? A bunch of those uh, empanadas. Yep, hand they pies. Work really well. Empanadas and hand pies work really well. Um, oh, sorry, we just have a big debate about empanadas or hand pies. He calls them hand pies. I call them empanadas. So I'm really surprised that he same. said empanadas. It's the same. Oh, you really fought me tooth and nail one because day. Because I was like, I am making hand pies. You mean empanadas? I was like, I'm like, none of my family is going to say, he's like, call your family and tell them I'm making hand pies. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not going to call them and tell them that. I'm going to say empanadas because they're going to be like, what? Hand pies? What's that? It's it's very easy to make. Just make you a whole bunch of uh, pie dough, roll it out, cut it, put it in your hand, add a dab of jam or jelly or fruit uh, cocktail mix or whatever you Mm -hmm. want in the middle of it. uh, And then uh, bake the crap out of it. Put some butter on it and bake it. So some of the jams and jellies that did really well all the time, obviously strawberry. Strawberry is going to be like your number one. I think people just feel safer because it's strawberry, and a lot of them don't like to like 
think, you know, they don't like to try new things, you know, for their palate or anything. And so, um, but strawberries were really good. And so was apple butter. Apple, apple butter, butter would sell out all the time. Um, and our mesquite jelly. So see, like the little artisanal ones that are different, like, you know, a lot of people really like them. Yeah, the mesquite bean jelly, the, like, it was kind of hard to get, get people to try to taste it a bit originally. We had an open taster, but we, the problem is you can't let people just get their own damn taste of jelly. They're assholes. You know, they'll lick the spoon and put it back. Yeah, no. So you've got to have yep. somebody standing there wearing gloves, and they'll take, give them, you take a cracker, you put a little smear of it on there, and then give them the cracker and then let yeah. them eat the cracker. Um, people are disgusting, so. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, mesquite jelly with, like, some goat cheese on a cracker. Oh, that'd be, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, mesquite so that'd be really good. Mesquite bean jelly tastes like the way fresh cut mesquite, like, wood smells with, but with some vanillas in it. Yeah. It's, it's sweet. Uh, it's really time-consuming <laughs> Yeah, to make. You take a whole bunch of mesquite beans, and how you do this is you walk through, you find an area that has a bunch of mesquite trees, has a bunch of beans that are yellow, like ready to go, right? They're dry. And you walk through there, and you break a bean in, in half, and you touch it to your tongue. Is it sweet? No. Move to the next tree. And then you do that, and you touch them. And once you find a sweet tree, and they're not all the same. Some are called, like, honey mesquite or blah, 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 blah. There's a bunch of different names for them. But once you find a tree that's, that's sweet, strip all the beans out of it. They're going to take those beans home and break them up. Like, you can do it by hand. You can do it using a device or blender or whatever. I just find that breaking them up by hand and just snapping them into, like, five or six little pieces. And then putting them in a big pot... And putting on a low simmer for hours, like six or seven hours. You want to make a really strong tea, like coffee-looking tea out of it. Then you take that and then you simmer that down uh, until it's, you know, about half of what it originally was. You taste it, it'll start tasting like a syrup. Now you can add a little bit of sugar and, and treat it like a jam. Normally would add some pectin and rock mm -hmm. and roll. To and, thicken it up, yeah. yep. Um, so, uh, the other ones that were really good that sold really fast were our, uh, blackberry jam and our raspberry jam. Yeah. Those sold really quickly. So the, the, the more specialized fruit ones, uh, sold really well. Okay. So we also have microgreens. So microgreens is huge. Uh, right, right now, now there's a big, a big push for, uh, microgreens. So I'm definitely going to have a container that my husband's going to build a little microgreen farm for me. Um, and I'm going to sort, I'm going to, I'm going to contact local like Whole Foods, Sprouts and see if anybody wants to buy microgreens and also uh, sell them potentially like at farmer's markets and stuff, you know. And restaurants. And restaurants. I mean, just Sad remember this, places, guys, like my, my, our like retirement goal is to have like a, a store, like a little, you know, um, an outpost store, like where you can find everything that's all natural, that's locally sourced from a farm, that's organic and just really like we our goal like as a family we just want to close the loop like everything that we grow that we Think make that like, we harvest we just want it like we want to cycle it back within our family and our community those old-timey like general stores yeah where you'd go and you'd go you'd go buy your your your, your bacon your salt pork your, your your greens your flour your baked goods your deli meats your deli your meats your cheeses you know some hard goods and, and farm flowers farm like stuff. just artisanal stuff yeah. cool stuff so that's always been our dream um so that's why we have such a huge list of things that we'd like to do because we tried it all uh literally 
Okay, so microgreens is going to be a good one. Um, beauty products. Beauty products. So beauty products are huge. I would make lotions. I would make chapstick. I would make uh, soap. Um, my husband makes very a very, very good soap, and it's sold like hotcakes. And so the, the, probably the, the, the highest return on ROI was chapstick. Yeah. Like, that was the highest ROI, but uh, our most popular product in that category was definitely the soap. Yeah, the soap. Definitely the soap. The uh, the chapstick, uh, I think it cost us, we did it, was cost like 11 cents to make a, a tube of chapstick. Because mm-hmm. the tube itself was 5 cents, the high quality ingredients, the flavoring, and everything else that went in there was like another 6 cents, and including the little label, the little yeah. string label. Yeah. So it all came down to about, you know, like 10, 11 cents for a tube of chapstick sells for like 2 bucks. Yeah. So, like, it's really kind of hard to, to beat, like, a 20,000%. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it was also hard. nice to have. It was it came in handy a lot of times because we would make, like, friends with people. And we'd be like, hey, here, have a chapstick, you know, on us or whatever. It's, it's and also, it was just such a small thing, but it was a huge thing for them. So. Yeah. It was really, it was really, it was honestly cheap enough that you could turn them into business cards. Literally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, like, the tubes, you buy the tube if you don't buy a 100-pack of the tubes, you want, you want to buy like a thousand pack of the tubes to keep the price down, but you're still looking like a thousand tubes for like fifteen bucks, you know? Yeah. So like it was with shipping. Yeah. So like it, it's it's super 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 cheap. It's cheap enough that you can just get a label printer or like uh, download the a- just get the little Avery la- uh, Avery labels Avery labels. Download the little template. Make your little business card on there yeah. and seal them with that. And then now they carry it around with them all the time. And every time they look at your chapstick, they rock and roll. Right. Uh, for flavorings, we did a lot of, like, alcoholic drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Margarita, pina colada, pina you know. Pina colada, yeah. Um, yeah, but people loved them. So th- those are really cool to make and fun. Um, the soap would sell really well because if you had kids or even adults that suffer from eczema, you know, this was all natural soap made with oil and lye and water. Um, and it was like your old timey um, castor soap, right? Castile soap. Castile. Castile soap. Yeah, castile soap um, is just olive oil, water, and lye, basically. Yeah. But uh, we did. We added a whole bunch of other stuff in there. We'll so, have to talk about it because it's a, that is an entire episode of its own. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll we'll have a whole soap making episode. Yeah, so that's we promise. A big that's a big one. Um, it hole. was yeah. <laughs> so we'll go down that rabbit hole and um, talk about that. And then I did. Um, you know, beef tallow because uh, beef tallow is really good for your for your face and for wrinkles and for you know a- as an anti aging um, moisturizer. And so a lot of people like prefer natural products. There is a, a you know niche for for people that want natural products that don't have any chemicals uh, because you know you have to consider you you can have an allergic reaction to some chemicals within makeups and stuff. And so um, that sold really well because women are all about natural products and you know your body is a big organ your skin is an organ and it, it, uh, what what's the absorption rate on your skin it depends on what part of your skin it is yeah either way like whatever you're putting on your skin yeah. like you're literally absorbing that um so people love those products they love the lotion um and yeah and you don't need to like you can go and get large amounts of this this is fat to render mm-hmm. if you go to a local butcher and that you, was my next one yeah, oils and you can buy the 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 fat to render yeah um so one sometimes time sometimes they'll sell it for like uh like making sausage yep uh but also if you're just like hey i want to buy 50 pounds of like you know uh pig say pig lard and they're like cool do you mind if it's like you know just fresh off the pig no because you're gonna eat the cracklings that's the best part 
Give me a little piece. Give me a piece of little bits of meat on there. I'm gonna cut it all up and fry it and eat that stuff as I go. It's delicious. <laughs> um, so uh, one thing that we did really cool, or that was really cool one time is, um, you know, we rendered the fat from an Iberico pig um, oh. that we got at our local butcher, and it was really cool because was this was like a, this was like a more uh, top of the line butcher local here, and and we were surprised that they had it one and two that they were selling it so cheap. And so we bought a whole bunch of it, and we literally rendered it for hours. And let me tell you, I had the best cooking oil for months because I had so many jars of this beautiful Iberico oil. And um, oh, if man, you, it was like yeah, it was how like, much did an Iberico ham go for? Like four hundred dollars? Yeah, it's like four hundred bucks for the ham, but they yeah. sold us the fat for like like I paid fifty bucks for like like a huge tub. A huge tub of the fat because they're like, ah, nobody wants the fat. I'm like, that's the best part. Yeah. Like, uh, and we took it. I mean, it was, this fat was so creamy that at mm -hmm. room temperature, it was basically a liquid. Right. Like, it would turn, you could, just handling the actual fat off of the pig would, would, would coat your hands in, in oil just because it would just melt at skin temperature. And so... It when was a really we beautiful had to oil. render it at such a low temperature. Yeah, it took all day. Yeah, it took all day. And all kinds of beers. All kinds of beers, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we rendered it so low and slow, and it was so worth it. We and it was up, fun. And we give it away. Oh, yeah, we did it before Christmas, and so there were these beautiful mason jars of just, like, this Iberico, Snow you know, white, oil, beautiful. and it was beautiful. And, uh, you know, we gave them away. Like, I, I am also very creative, so I'll make, like, holiday baskets you know with all our goodies all our farm goodies and that was one of the farm goodies at one point and everybody loved it so uh, and you get people that are, are big supporters of your farm yep like we have people that uh that that send us seeds every year or pay for uh like plants like or people they, that would literally ask us like hey when are you guys going to plant like, you know we'll go out there and help you and so like yeah. they would come out for planting and season actually and, help and, not and just, actually help and learn not and, just come out because it's planting know? season to watch us like do work <laughs> yeah you know so uh like what you get so you do get people like that who just come out and want to watch you work yeah uh, versus actually want to get dirty but you get yeah the people that would actually help we would make sure to do something cool for them like cook for them yeah, you know or give them a good present around christmas right. keep in touch with them become friends or teach them things yeah. you know like classes you know are expensive so we'd be like hey you know what do you want to learn and we'd teach them something um so that was really cool um, what else uh, we have? Uh, Your teach, teach classes. classes. Yeah. I mean, teach classes, right? Oh, so, man. And you man, can charge pretty much whatever you want. For yeah, that. exactly. Because uh, remember, guys, artisanal skills, you know, that skills sells. Are, skills are something that's going on that's yeah, rare. it is. It's very rare to find somebody that knows how to take wheat from a field and turn it into bread, right? Uh, nowadays, you know, it sounds like it's really easy. It's kind of a little bit more involved than you think it is. But to teach a class that, and there's a bit of showmanship that goes with it. Like, when I'm teaching a class, I'm talking about the history of the wheat. I'm talking about the, they, this wheat was first grown in Algeria. You know, this is the type of wheat that uh, baby Jesus would have seen when he was walking yeah. through fields. And, uh, you know, and so I'm talking about the history of it while I'm processing it. I'm talking about why I'm processing it a certain way. And I like to be a good orator when I'm trying to do this kind of thing. And uh, make the classes very hands-on. Mm -hmm. And so I'll bring, like, you know, four or five of stations. And I'll have everybody doing what I'm doing at the same time as me talking. Yep. Right? And then everybody makes their own loaf of bread. And uh, we all talk. And it's a great time. And nobody's, nobody, everybody, like, it really enjoys it. And 
Because of that, I can charge, you know, 50 bucks to go to someone's house, 50 bucks a head, to teach a bread-making class. Well, I mean, that, that doesn't sound like a lot, but a lot of times people get like 12 or 20 people together. Mm-hmm. So that's like 550, 600 bucks. Of course I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to be as charming as possible, and have everything laid out, and I teach like a college-level course on how to make freaking bread, and make it fun. Everybody's going to have fun. Even if there's that one person that drives me nuts and later on the way home would be like, ah, I hate that person. (laughs) I'm going to be like, thank you for your money. Merry Christmas. Right? Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, and it's just, man, it's a blast. Yeah. Uh, We really enjoy doing that. But, I mean, mean, you know, classes on... Cheese, soap making, uh, cheese, cheese uh, butter, you know, jams, jellies. I mean, classes galore, right? So we've, like, this is just, it's just insane at how much opportunity there is there. I would strongly suggest that if you go to teach a class, that it is a class that you actually know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, you had better be the expert. Right. Because people are going to ask you a million questions. Yep. And some of them are going to be far-fetched. Like, hey, when did uh, strawberries, like, where did they come from? You better know. Oh, my husband will tell you the genetics of each yeah. fruit and like, cross genetics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this inside joke here at the house. Like, if you guys are familiar with Family Guy and Buzz Killington, where we're like, everybody's just having fun. And, like, my husband's like, oh, well, do you want to know the genetics of this apple? And I'm like, <sighs> not really. Like, not really. I don't have enough RAM for that. I don't have enough storage space for that. You know, but. But yeah, you know, so you're gonna have you're gonna have a good a understanding good of what's going on. Yeah, and uh, be able to answer a lot of questions, and uh, um, it helps if you're not looking back, looking forward at your own notes. If you need to look at notes, take a bathroom break real quick, and go look at your notes. Right? It's not gonna hurt you. It's not gonna hurt them. You're always at a point. There, there's generally a point that you, somewhere you're gonna stop. Do bring your own equipment. Don't rely on the person to have their equipment if they even 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 if they say they have their own equipment. You know, oh, you, you could run into a customer who's like, I've been doing this for, for 30 years. I have everything you need. Just you need to show up, honey, and just teach a class. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And you show up, and they don't have pectin. They don't have an acid. They don't have jars ready. They don't have anything like that. So bring your own equipment. Uh, include it in the price, right, of, like, you have to take your stuff home to wash it. Yeah. And I try not to do washing and cleanup there at someone else's house just because... They're paying me for a service, and so I just put everything in totes and take it home and watch it. Yep. You know? Um, Okay. So we covered teach classes. Okay, backdrops. So this is where I come in. This is my expertise because I'm a designer. Um, So I like creating backdrops and, like, creating, like, this whole, like, mesmerizing wall of, of beauty right where you can go and take a picture in front of do a selfie do family selfie do family portraits hire a photographer whatever the case may be but um you'll come over and take pictures and backdrop all you know in front of the backdrop you know especially for like holidays you could do it holiday themed you could do it um you know specific party themed or just because themed or you know all kinds of stuff right so there's so many ideas there um, and then the next one was lemonades. So um, I actually just went down this rabbit hole a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I want to make my own fresh lemonades. And so I started looking at things and I was like, okay. And so I found a, um, you know, recipe that I wanted to follow. I bought all the stuff and voila, I made lemonades. And I was like, okay, let me test these out. I'm going to make them. My um, aunt had a 
family party. And if you all are familiar with Hispanic parties, it's a fiesta. Like, there's all mm-hmm. types of people. They are big. Um, you know, so it's a lot of fun, a lot of people. So I was like, what better place to test my lemonades than at a family party, right? And so, yeah, there I was shaking up lemonades, and I had a line until 1 a.m., and I was like, oh, man, these are good. Like, these are, these, this works too good. The next day, my clavicle and my wrists were literally swollen, not swollen, but sore from, like, muddling all the lemons. Yes, I, no. I muddled them all by hand because I don't have that big old expensive piece of equipment that, you know, it's like a hydraulic press that presses lemons. I don't have that. I, it's too expensive. Um, so, but it, that will be a goal later. Anyway, um, but lemonades, right? So if you have, like, a backdrop, you do lemonades, you do hot chocolate, you know, whatever the season is, whatever the theme is like do it like it's going to bring in it's going to draw attention it's going to bring um you need that hook right you want people to be like ooh, intrigued and be like oh i want to go there because i want to take pictures i want to pick flowers or you i want to get you know yeah and, your and there you go have your lemonades ready your chocolate exactly your ready uh some, fresh some pastries bread, some fresh you know pastries. like everything else to get ready to go because now you have a captive audience who's already got it in their head that they're going somewhere they've spent money to go somewhere and now there's more stuff to buy. And they're in a good mood because they just got a billion likes on Instagram for having the really cool picture of the backdrop. Yeah. So, love that stuff. Another um, thing is, ignore the hell out of Instagram influencers. Oh, yeah. Don't but, pay anybody shit. No, but that, but make sure that you're leveraging your socials, especially if you're trying to build within a, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of inside out. I like to build my community within and grow it out. And um, so if I'm doing that, I'm going to use my social media. I'm going to understand my target audience, my demographic. Um, and I'm going to post things that are going to interest them. And I'm going to do cool stuff and, you know, entice them to come out. Um, so definitely leverage all your platforms, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I wouldn't go as far. I mean, if you want to go as far as running ads, just know that, you know, it gets a little steep having to pay Facebook and Instagram for um, ad spend. Um, but just know that, you know, it, it depends. You know, you'd have to have enough runway at least for three months on spending some ad spend. Um, so that way you can gauge whether or not it's worth it to run uh, paid ads. Um, if not, just stick to non-paid ads and just, you know, hit the boost or, or promote on them and, and see if you can get some more hits and just be consistent, guys, with your socials. I can't express enough how you have to be consistent with your socials. If you're trying to build a brand and brand awareness, then nobody's going to fly your flag harder than you. So if you're not out there beating your own drum, like no one's going to know about you because you can't sell a secret. So people have to know about you. Marketing is all about in your face. Like, hey, I'm here. Uh, so just remind people that you're there. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not a big fan of, like, you see the Instagram influences. Oh, if you give me this for free, I'll, I'll put pictures Oh, of yeah, it. no. Nah. Not cool with that. Nah, but I do like I do like to, to deal with like-minded individuals. I'm drawn to a lot of uh, local entrepreneurs, because, and they're drawn to me. Well, because we cross-promote Yeah, we stuff, always, exactly. Which is completely different. Yeah, and so that's that's different. So somebody that adds value and that you guys can work together, definitely uh, focus on those individuals, not the ones that want all the freebies and stuff. No. Um, so the next thing is spices. So this is a big one because my husband makes his own steak salt that's very popular. Um, so people will pay, you know, twenty bucks for how many? How big is that package? Big. Yeah, um, it's a big package. So they'll buy. They'll pay twenty dollars for his spices. Um, I want to try to grow. My husband's going to say something. I already see his face. I want to try to grow saffron or crocus so I can um, harvest saffron. Okay. Um, and he's like, what the heck? And okay, I'm like, well, what? You're just going to have to trade the tiny beast. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pluck the little freaking. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I'm old. I'm not no, no, no. I know. And, I want to do that yeah. though. So it's just something that I want to experience, or I want to, you know, experiment, experiment with. You know, so I'm definitely going to try to grow my own uh, crocus They're because beautiful. saffron is yeah. very expensive. So I want to see what I can do there. Um, but spices is a good one. Uh, we talked about oils, uh, parties, right? So now you have because before you know it, guys, unbeknownst to you all, once you start growing a lot of vegetation, you set up your orchard. Like these just start looking beautiful naturally, um, and so now you have a little venue, right? If you want to throw an outdoor party for somebody, you know, an outdoor party for twenty-five people or private party or whatever, you know, make it all bougie in a garden, you know, um, you could literally like rent a venue and include it, f- include food, include arrangements and design and Pro decor. Tip. Rent um, a party. Yeah, and, and do... They're totally worth it. Yeah. For like 100 bucks, they'll come put a potty out there. And they have really nice ones. Like, yeah. they, they have really pretty ones one, for... Yeah. They'll come drop it off, clean it, pick it up and take it away. And for like 100 bucks. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to... You just lock your on... on, on thing bathroom yeah and then make everybody use the porta potty well we were we were pretty spoiled because we had they had uh you know potties out. they had really nice restrooms out there they're not even potties they're really nice restrooms um at the garden where we worked at or where my husband worked at and so um that was really nice but if you have to rent them of course you know try to look for something pretty you know don't look for the typical like potty the blue ones i hate those it's fine. anyway it doesn't matter moving it's on totally worth it to have yeah. people not crap in your bushes but, but parties <laughs> yeah totally worth it right but parties um you know that's another revenue stream right um especially you know weddings if you want to have a guarded wedding you know uh, and you want to include the florals because guess what you're growing flowers anyway so if you want to have a bride that wants to pay you x amount of dollars for x amount of floral arrangements you know then hey you know there you go there's your and don't price yourself don't yeah. price yourself low to make the sale no not at all like and people will pay you know it's how bad do they want it and if they want it they're going to pay right if they see the value and if they trust you if they like your work and they see your reviews um which i pride myself in always having five star reviews uh so super excited about that but um yeah so that's another stream of revenue there um and then field trips you know get with your local schools you know if they want to have a garden field trip and and want to teach their third grade class like how to how to plant you know cucumbers or whatever you know uh, most of them just want to come and, and actually put like hands on yeah a farm and look at it and walk through there right um put your dog up put your dog up yeah definitely i don't care if your dog is the sweetest oldest dog in the entire freaking world some kid out there is terrified of the dad of the dog and um they're gonna freak out around the dog and run into something and get hurt or or they're gonna bully your dog or throw a rock at your dog your dog's gonna react like just put your dog up not worth it put your dog up if you have a goat that's a that's that's mean put your goat up yep um only leave out friendly things and lock everything else up far away from people yep uh you know if you're going to do a field trip for kids, you can get with the school. Schools actually have money set aside for things mm-hmm. like this. And there's initiatives and grants that they can get to take kids on field trips to go yeah. learn where their food's made. And you're going to get, you know, 75 or 80% of that grant money. Yeah, and it's and, a it could be a recurring thing. Like yeah. for every school year, you know, you have Miss Walls' class that comes out and every does semester, a, a field trip or whatever, four you or five know. Times a year. Yeah, so um, that, uh, you also have, um, you know, agriculture schools, you know, or colleges, and where people want to come out and like, hey, you know, you want to rent this little 
20 by 20 square and grow whatever give it a go you know what i mean and we'll teach you and i, I do I, I do better demonstrations yeah i would do uh, i do demonstrations with those a lot of them like they see oh hey we're learning about hydroponics want to come see the different types of hydroponics in use and action yep um and so doing having your working farm and being able to show demonstrations and sell demonstrations that that works a lot better uh, for your older crowd yeah definitely um, so field trips, oh, tours, you can also do tours. Like if just a group of, of people, you know, that are like foodies or wine lovers, they want to come take a tour in a beautiful garden. I mean, the garden that we, that my husband worked out of and I, I mean, I worked out of there too because I helped him. Right. Um, but that garden was just so beautiful. I mean, I could not believe it was in West Texas. I could not believe my husband could grow and just be so fruitful out there you know in this dry desert heat um you know uh, zone and so i we want to make like definitely our garden's going to be just as beautiful like that's the goal um and so you can when you have that type of garden venue you can do you know um tours where you're selling coffees and you know playing some music maybe you have like a celloist that's playing in the garden or something like that right and you're having you know they're coming out and trying some wines or whatever wine tasting um, our pro tip is to find those people who are hungry enough to come and play at your garden for a few bucks yeah is at the college yep we'd, we'd find uh college kids who are going for like string instruments or like in, in band in college we were playing viola, violin, cello, whatever. We'd be like, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks to come out here and play for four hours. They'd be like, what? I was like, yeah, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Uh, and plus three bucks for gas. Free food. You can take as many vegetables as you want home. And hey, find a couple of your friends. I'll give them the same deal. I'll give them 20 bucks for gas to come coming out here because we're ways out here. Plus a hundred bucks. You can take as much of food home as you want. And next thing you know, I have a full string band who are not amateurs because they're like seniors in college. They have been who literally going to school for this and have their college paid because they're so good, right? These are the people who are going to end up being like the next Mozarts and stuff. And so, uh, and, and I've got I paid like three or four hundred bucks to have what would would have normally cost me you know five to ten thousand dollars to have. Yeah. And once you make those relationships with those kids, you can pretty much call them at any time. They're the little kind of pro tip. They're usually not like uh, the most popular kids in school, <laughs> so they're they're usually not doing anything on Fridays and Saturday nights. What do you want to do a party? <laughs> so they're happy. And they're happy <laughs> I mean, to get fed and spoiled, and we're really sweet. Out. Like we're always spoiling everybody that hangs out with us. I mean, oh, yeah. we. I mean, I have friends that I'm like, hey, I'm gonna. My husband's gonna make a batch of sausage. Like, do you want some summer sausage? And I'll go take it to you. You know, and, and I'm all about it. You know, I'm all about sharing the goods. So. Um, the other thing that we have here is private lunches. I think my husband covered this. Maybe, maybe not. But no. you could do private lunch. Like, we had a group of women. They were, like, some kind of society. I forget what they were. Um, it, it was, was totally it, made it, up. Yeah, it, it was totally matter. made up. It was just, you know, the real housewives <laughs> of West Texas. And they an wanted to have to an exclusive private garden yeah. lunch. And so we gave it to them. And we had, um, I mean, man, I went as far as, like, making all uh arrangements using the artichokes the artichokes are very beautiful guys by the way it looks like a flower it's it so beautiful it is a flower yeah. um so it's it's just very beautiful so i used it in my arrangement and i made like a garden a garland across the table and uh we had um you know they had food there and yeah we did uh 
man, we did, uh, we'd hire a chef to come out, and uh, uh, normally it was, a, it was from a new startup restaurants, like restaurants that were just trying to get their name out there. So the chefs were usually, or the owners of restaurants were usually mm -hmm. pretty hungry to get their name out there, especially with like a more bougie type yep. crowd. And they had access to all our garden uh, grows. So and, and they could take as many pictures yeah. on social media. So we ended up getting them for pretty cheap. I think the most we paid was 200 bucks yep. to have them come out and do a breakfast. You know, we provided everything. Yep. They brought their own knives because they're snotty like that. But uh, other than that, like we brought, like we provided everything. They could bring their helper to film and take pictures in this beautiful location. They got to promote the living crap out of their services and the restaurant, plus make enough money to like cover their basis. Mm -hmm. And we had chefs lining up right yep. like after the first time that we did it. Word got around. Wait, we can go out and showcase our stuff out there. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, we're not going to pay you a premium, but you know we'll pay you uh, enough to cover your time, like two hundred bucks. But at the same time, we're charging fifty bucks a plate, like for for this the, the breakfast, the brunch, you know, for the people, and that includes like what champagne mimosas. Yeah, we had uh, mimosas. We had florals. We had yeah. veggies. We had oh, and then we also taught them something. Uh, yeah. We taught uh, pickling. We did pickling that day, so we p made pickles, and Everybody we taught them how to make pickles. Like a, like yeah, a small jar of pickles, and so it was you know worth it for them, worth it for us. You know, for the first four people covered the cost of the the um, the fancy chef. Who also like fed us and our family. Like yeah. we, we had plenty of food left over. He came out and made crepes with with. He had his little helper go out there and pick blackberries and, and figs, and we showed him what stuff was in in season. Mm -hmm. We had eggs right there from our chickens. Yeah, he did and, a little balsamic vinaigrette on a watermelon with like goat cheese. That was really good and yeah. mint. Yeah, and he just used everything from our farm uh, to to uh, to feed these people, and so it blew the people's mind. And it became a monthly thing. Yep. And then it, it started trying to become a weekly thing where we'd have, like, reoccurring bunches of people. But, we, you know, we'd have, like, 18, 20 people, 25, 30 people sometimes show up to these things. 50 bucks a head, uh, you make pretty good money really quick. Yep. You know? And then once you – then you can charge, hey, this, this was the brunch, but we're going to do a, like, early dinner. It's going to be a little bit more fancy, but it's going to be 100 bucks a head. You know? And it gives you a chance to get your, your – to, to get your venue open and and start making more money that way. Yep. Um, and then we have garden builds and con like consultations. So um, this is... You better know what you're doing. Yeah. Eric right? gets these so, questions a lot um, because people are just so amazed by what he's able to build and what he's capable of and all the skills that he has. And so the next logical question is like, hey, can you help me start my garden at home? And, and hey, I will be more than happy yeah, to do Yeah, definitely. So. But you're going to pay me to do it, and I'm, but I'm not going to charge, like, a ridiculous fee. I'm not one of those people who, no, not at all. Uh, who thinks that my, 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 my poop doesn't stink and it's like, you know, it's a million bucks to get me to come out there. Cover my expenses and I'll come out and see everything. And then if you want me to build something, then we'll, we'll talk about, like, you know, prices from there. But um, it's you better know what you're talking about. Because you, if you steer one person wrong or... You just spout a bunch of random crap, and then they comes to find out they they're not successful. Your name will go bad, and nobody will ever talk to you again. Uh, word spreads really quick on uh, forums and Discord and Facebook yeah. and everything else. So if if you're gonna teach, if you're gonna do consulting, you had better not be your first year farmer. <laughs> 
who has had one successful one successful grow under your belt, um, you better know what you're doing. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, what was I going to tell you? I don't know why when you were just saying that and talking about that, it just reminded me of the owner from that food truck that just went berserk over the weekend and was like uh, talking down to all his customers. Yeah, if and you have a problem with a customer, don't. If you don't have no customer service on, skills, don't argue with them on social away. media. So part of that, the thing comes from, is this guy who has a really cool food truck and he has like... A, his food on his Instagram looks amazing. He was busy that day, so he was turning out subpar stuff. Instead of making people wait an extra 10 or 15 minutes for the food, he was just trying to push it out there as fast as he could. And what he was doing was he was, send, he was sending out the door subpar stuff. So people took a picture of it, on, uh, put it on Facebook. We're like, man, this just like, it was not very good. This is, this is expectation versus reality, kind of like post. And he got on there and just argued with everybody and called everybody pieces of shit. And, um, you know, it was very, very rude. And uh, how do you think that went? Like, it did not go well for him. You're not going to win against, uh, you know, 30 or 40 other people. It's just not going to win. You're not going to go well. So he came out and made himself look terrible. And since then, I don't imagine that his business has gone super well. Like... (laughs) Because he really did come out and show his ass. Like, he really did. And uh, if you have a problem with a customer or something, do your best to make it right. But know that sometimes they're just trying to get free shit from you. So sorry that, hey, I'm sorry that you didn't have a good experience or blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's probably my fault. Uh, why don't you stop back by and we can see what we can do to make it right. You know, or like, hey, next time you're out there, let me know. Remind me who you are and we'll see what we can do to make it right. You know, uh... It's, it's crazy how much more successful you'll be if you're just charming and yeah, you have charisma nice. and you're fun and you treat people the way you want to be treated and you're sweet and you're just funny and just be cool, man. Be cool. It's not hard to be cool. It's not hard. Yeah. It's pretty easy to be nice to people. Okay, so garden builds and consultations, uh, sell, a self-serve farm stand, guys. Oh. So that is on fire right yes. now. Um, Those are all over yeah. the social media. I had never actually seen one um, until I started seeing them pop up all over YouTube and social media and places like that. They work on the honor system. and uh, But, I mean, they still have, like, people put a little camera out there just, you know, to kind of keep people fighting the, the honor system honorable. Uh, but uh, they seem to work really well. I've seen the ones that have, like, the little refrigerator section in yeah. them. And they have, like, their milk and the refrigerated goods. Their eggs. Yeah, and some, like, flowers and all sorts of stuff. And they sell out. Like, they do great. The great part is, the self-service thing, is that there's no... they The, the people don't have access to cash, right? Because the cash goes in a slot. Mm-hmm. So they have to either provide exact change or tip you. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. If something is six fifty and they have $7 in cash... I mean, unless they have 50 cents, they're just going to put the seven bucks in there. Yeah. And call it a day, right? Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And it's cute, too. You know, you go and just load up your little self-serve stand in the morning, you know, fill it all up, and then voila, you know, just people go and, you know, give them instructions, of course. I probably Um, wouldn't do it in the ghetto. 
Yeah, probably not. Probably no. not a good idea. But I mean, obviously, test it out. If you see it's not a good idea in your local area, then then obviously it's not going to work, right? But maybe and that's it's okay. a good idea somewhere else, and somebody else will let you set up somewhere else. Right. Like right? maybe you have a friend that lives in a bougie neighborhood, and you can do your little self serve farm stand there and take all your farm goodies. Like guys, the op, the you know, it's just so many endless ideas. Okay. Yeah, they're really. I like the idea. Yeah. You can make it as cute as you want. You can right, make it these were power. super cute. Yeah, they had little cute refrigerators in there. They had they little had... cute notes and daily affirmations that you would write on a board. And how cute is and that? It was cute enough backstop that people wanted to take pictures. Yeah, of. and then so there you go. People are promoting your farm stand because they're taking selfies in front of it. You're giving them something pretty enough to take a picture in front of. Um, and that's literally what it's all about right now. You know, everybody's about social media, so. Um, so yeah, so self-serve farm stand, uh, fruit baskets. I like to make and sell fruit baskets and people love buying them, you know, so fruit baskets, charcuterie boards, um, custom ones or the custom fruit basket we made, we would build these little crates, mm -hmm. these little, like, I mean, it was like, what, four minutes in a stapler. Yeah. Four minutes in a stapler. We would and brand it, them. It came with this cute, I made a cute little, it was one, we figured out one crate could be made by, from two fence pickets. Yep. So it was two fence pickets makes one crate, and there these are just the just, I think they were dollar twenty something a piece, a uh, Home Depot just generic fence pickets. Yep. We buy two of those, and we have the little pre-cut little pieces, just chop saw, blown, make a whole bunch of them at once, and it was like four literally four minutes from the time that you cut them to the the time they're all put together, and then we had a brand like literally just a cow brand that we had. Uh, uh, bought uh off of i don't remember etsy or something like that etsy. there was an electric one we just plugged yeah. in it got hot as heck scary frightening hot and then we would just and brand the wood uh and we'd, we'd line them all up and we'd brand them all at once mm -hmm. and it was just a few seconds sorry our daughter's eating mangoes and evidently mangoes taste slimy <laughs> and she really likes she's really big in the texture and she really likes slimy and she so likes mangoes she's super excited to tell us when she found something that's slimy so, um, yeah, so baskets, so fruit baskets, you know, I would make these fruit baskets with florals in them, with Your homemade, brands. like, beauty products, and man, what a gift, right? Like, and then I would shrink wrap them, put a bow, again, because I've been designing for many years, we um, so I'm just familiar them. with all that stuff, so we would deliver them in town for Christmas, you know. Um, birthdays. birthdays, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I would get, you know, sought out to like make baskets. And so that and was another, and they were not cheap. They were no. like 340 bucks. Yeah. Depending on the size of the basket and what you wanted, um, because uh, competitors that I've, you know, received basket, you know, just competitors. Um, I, haven't you ever noticed like they only have like a couple of products at the top and like everything else is filler beneath? Like that wasn't oh, my basket. Mine was heavy. Mine was full because I was like, I wasn't going to be that guy, you know? I wanted them to get. Everything we made yeah. Fun. There was so they there had was, the, there man. was pancake mix. There was, there was, it was amazing. Hot chocolate mixes. There was yeah. spices and, what, and honey and, and uh, like breads and bread mixes and soup mixes and. Like everything you can imagine. I mean, it was like a, it was like a week's worth of groceries. All yeah, like a little treasure. So um, that was really cool. Um, so you could do that. Um, you could do. Uh, you could get with your local restaurants and sell veggies and fruit directly to them. Um, a lot of times, they're either looking for something specific, specialty or they're stuff. they're looking for specialty things, or they're not getting as high of a quality. I mean, because if you've had your own organic farm food. And I'll tell you that I I could testify I could attest to this that 
it tastes different. It is so different. It is so rich and delicious, and it's just a different experience all around. My highest seller, surprisingly, it's going to sound weird, was uh, I took black eyed peas, and I just planted an entire row of black eyed peas. Now, black eyed peas are a bean, right? That grows up straight off the plant. So instead of having to bend over like a green bean to pick it, they just they stick straight up off the top of the plant. So you can just walk down the row and just snap, snap, snap with your fingers and get like a whole like handfuls of green beans at a time. So much easier to harvest than traditional green beans. But they make the thinner type green beans you see like like a French style kind mm-hmm. of green bean. Um, those I would sell those by the cooler load to restaurants. For fresh green beans. Uh, for like these little cafes, stuff like that. That was one of my biggest like, sellers. Biggest sellers. Yeah. Was the fresh green beans. But they, all they were was just black eyed peas I bought at the store. I buy like one, one, one two pound package of black eyed peas and do one 1,000 foot row, which was an ungodly amount every week of, black, uh, of green beans. Sell them as green beans to the black eyed peas. Because uh, they don't have green beans until they fill out and turn into black eyed peas. And I sold so many of those. Were they high dollar? No. They weren't high dollar. Yeah. But volume-wise, it got my foot in the door. And then I started selling, uh, like, hey, by the way, I have shiitake mushrooms. Or or we have Kajari melons. melons. You know, our Kajari melons were, like, a hit. And everybody knew us because of the Kajari or knew my husband because of the Kajari. So um, that was, like, a unique melon that you couldn't really find anywhere local. And if you sourced it, it was very expensive. But because they could source it there locally, they got the best of both worlds. It was inexpensive, and and they got it there, right, delivered, you know, to their restaurant. And so uh, they would serve it up with, like, ice cream and things like that. Uh, So that was a really popular one. They would even make, like, a melon water out of them and that was really good so um, I, had, I had something to get my foot in the door which was those cheap uh green beans i mean they were only selling like you know like like, like two bucks a pound like it wasn't anything that you write home about a cooler's worth would get you you know like maybe a hundred bucks you know um yeah. but uh yeah, for the amount of work really not worth it yeah unless you have I remember, children like you know slave you, labor. you get your foot in the door you know with something special special you know specialty item at your local restaurant but then you can tell them hey i have microgreens i have mushrooms and there you go Peppers, like you're creating that melons, frenzy you're creating yeah. that momentum and it's just gonna it's just gonna be profitable and that's just the way to do it um the other thing that we like to do is beekeeping so sourcing or making that's a youth creating our own honey uh so super excited um I've been reading a lot about beekeeping. I had, uh, they had a suit and they had like a little, you know, a bee, uh, a box, you know, at uh, a farm. Yeah, at the ranch that we were at. But it was, I didn't start up there. You know, there was an incident where we did save some bees, but it was a a totally unrelated incident. But um, I do intend to have like a full-blown beekeeping operation. So I've been reading up a lot on it. Um... Just making my own honey, even for my own products, like that'd be great and amazing. Having fresh honey for my tea and my family's tea and my daughter's tea because we all like tea at night, like for our little nightcap, like definitely worth it for us. Um, so yeah, so I will keep you posted on how that goes and how that journey goes. Probably have a whole uh, session on beekeeping, really, because it's it's a it's a rabbit hole. So, but guys, you're not limited to learning and evolving and just you know like. And bees are one of the, just the easiest things. ways to get a uh, uh, agriculture, agriculture uh, exempt. Ag, ag exempt. Yep. yep. 
So, I mean, you can do beekeeping, you can have, uh, you can grow fruits and veggies, but it's got to be, there's more rules to that, but yeah. beekeeping is the more, that's, it's the one that's more straightforward, so. Yeah, you only like five acres and so many beehives in your bag is in. Yeah, exactly. And even then, there's some municipalities and areas where you can get exempt on two acres if you have like three beehives. Yeah. So it's so bees are a really really cool, really really fast, easy way to do that. I think we've we've covered a lot. A we've lot. covered enough that we've probably given these guys like whiplash. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. So let's You'll talk be fine. About, uh, but did you die? No. Did you die? Let's talk about some news. Some news, and uh, kind of our preparedness news here. Uh, I'm pretty sure that everybody's seen so far the India's ban on rice exports. Oh, did you see that uh, crazy um, rice run in Dallas? Yeah, it was insane. But everybody was out there running. So, you know what? They were. Okay, so last week, India banned exports of non basmati white rice. Okay? Guess what they were buying in, in Dallas? Basmati white rice. So, they were buying the stuff that wasn't banned. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, they just got pa they panicked. They panicked is all it was. It was just panic buys, um, and especially like you have to consider people that have restaurants and stuff. They're freaking out like, oh my god, that's my main dish. What am I gonna do without it? And well, I mean, another thing is that like Amer Texas produces like ninety four percent of the rice that is eaten in um, the United States, right? Between Texas and Louisiana, that that's pretty much it. And we're not going to run out of rice, guys. Don't worry about it. Just whether it's the extra long grain, normal rice you eat in the store, or your basmati, you're not going to run out. Now, what is going to happen is that the specialty rices are going to go away. And you're going to see a lot of places in the world that are going to start, that it's going to greatly impact third world nations. Like some of the ones that are barely hanging on. They might not get their shipment of rice this year. Um, yeah, that's that's bad. That's bad. That's so we'll see. You'll, you're going to see some sort of Asian going on. It's not going to be not going to be fun. It's not going to be cool. Uh, and there's not much that anybody can really do about it. They had just so many floods over there, and then they had the earthquakes, and it just we kind of talked about what happened with like the rice. And India and the rice in the Pakistan and that valley is just completely gone. What else you got for news, lady? Okay, so um, something else that's really cool is going to be voted on this week that I'm uh, totally uh, for is Senate votes to limit foreign land ownership. So there is roughly 37.6 million acres of U.S. agriculture land that is foreignly owned um, in the U.S. So now they're putting a stop to that. So... Um, that's going to be really good for the, for obviously us, for the U.S., because um, we're going to have more control over our farming lands. Um, you know, definitely do not want a foreign country owning the majority of our food resources. Uh, so, yeah, really good stuff. So we should hear an update. Uh, just look for an update, you know, in your local news. Google it. Uh, there should be an update to that this week. So if we're going to talk about uh, the plant, I mean, the tree of the day, I'm going to call it a tree that's more like a bush. It's a dwarf red pomegranate. Um, what I like about them is they're not big, right? The, these guys, now, they say they'll get about 8 feet tall by 8 feet wide. Um, they're self-pollinating. They, they produce a smaller fruit than, like, the big, uh, the big, big pomegranate that everybody's used to. But 
the cool thing is you can plant them as like a hedge pretty much anywhere. You can treat them a lot like a hedge too. So you can shape them a little bit and you can get them to, you know, they're small enough and low enough growing that they can grow underneath and in between your fruit trees already. They can grow along your fence lines. You can use them as a fence. Nothing wants to crawl through a, a, a pomegranate tree. They're a pomegranate bush. They Is it grow. Spiky? They're they're pretty spiky. Yeah, they grow. They're 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 very sharp. <laughs> so they're great. These guys are great for zones two through eleven. Uh, outdoors, though, zone uh, seven to eleven. So a huge portion of the United States can grow these guys. They're super super happy. Um, man, they just take average soil, average everything. Uh, they're super easy to grow. These are, and for the most majority of the United States, they're going to be ready to harvest around in September-ish. Uh, and once again, these guys are self-pollinating. They're, they're pretty freaking easy to grow. They're pretty freaking easy all the way around. Uh, let's see. Uh, and our uh, plant of the day is, and this goes with, um, like, uh, a value-added product you can grow. These are going to be called uh, Chinook Hops Bine. Okay, so these are hops, like you put beer hops, right? A lot of places like fresh hops, but they can't grow them themselves. They, these guys are pretty cool. So the description on these guys is it says, Craft Brewers Delight, vigorous, easy to harvest hop vines, yield moderate crops of compact, medium-sized cones. Prized for the bittering qualities and aromatic characteristics, flavor is described as spicy with strong pine taste and grapefruit notes, useful in many homebrew recipes, including American Pale Ales, Stouts, Porters, and Lagers. They maintain their alpha acid content for up to six months in proper storage, which means that you take them right off the, the, the plant, you uh, you put like you know, six ounces of or so together, and then you vacuum seal them and pop them in the freezer. These, uh, so these are great for homebrew recipes. These are also super disease resistant. So to verticillium wilt, to dowie mildew, uh, you're just going to mulch them in the winter. They originally came from Washington State in 1985. These guys ripen in August in the majority of the of the country. Um, they are great. Uh, they grow outside zones 3 to 8. So uh, they work great. Uh, the higher the zone you are, the more shade you want to provide until you're growing them in, in, in partial shade or like dappled sunlight in uh, like zones 7 and 8. Other than that, Growing a good-sized row of hops is probably a decent way to make some extra money. Uh, get kids' school clothes. Because if you look at what hops charge, like, to get them online, they're pretty pricey for fresh hops. Like, it, it's worth it to me to grow some hops and sell hmm. We should definitely look into that. What else you got, lady? That is it for me. I'm all out of ideas. And guys, I know that I may have given you whiplash and I apologize for that, but I literally busted out that list in like five minutes, five seconds it felt like um, because we've done it before and we've it's tried it. We've and done, yeah. yeah, so we're just giving you some pro tips here and hopefully it helps you get some ideas, get those creative juices going so you guys can make some money and bring in additional revenue streams or like retire altogether and have your little small hobby farm, you know? So, well, guys, that's gonna do it for us today. We'd like to thank you for listening. We love our listeners. Sorry we didn't get that episode out last week. Uh, we're we got our next couple episodes planned out for you guys. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I guess it looks like we're gonna do uh, animals on the farm and monetizing those, uh, farm equipment and monetizing that, 
your beekeeping one. Mm-hmm. So those are the next four episodes to come. Next there's a three. Yeah. There's the fourth one. Well, the beekeeping one. That's the beekeeping one. Animals? I can't math right now. I'm so okay. tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. Close enough. Close enough. Four-ish. Yeah. Uh, Ish. And uh, we love our listeners. Thank you guys for listening to us every week. Uh, we'd like to give a special shout out to our friends in New Zealand. You guys are awesome. And uh, a bunch of guys in Australia. Who are new listeners? I haven't looked at the stats th- today, but we had a bunch of new people in Europe. Nice. I think it was the Netherlands. They're, uh, we're starting to pick up pretty good. In. So, love you guys out there. Um, if you'd like to go ahead and support the show, you can do so from our Etsy. It's going to be thisferalife.etsy.com. If you'd like to send us some mail, uh, email, like love mail, hate mail, ask a question, come on the show, anything fun like that, it's going to be thisferalifepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to buy a kimchi recipe book, it is on, now on Amazon. It, it is, is now on Amazon. Slightly feral kimchi as <laughs> F. Yeah. <laughs> K A F kimchi as F. Uh, uh, it's yeah. If you want to go ahead and do that, that'd be super awesome. We'd uh, I'd love it if uh, some of our listeners would try it because I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about it. Uh, let's see. If you'd like to go ahead and sh- uh, um, directly uh, benefit the show, you can do so through our this feral life at Venmo or at Venmo would be our, at at this feral life. Yeah. Sorry, I got this backwards. Sorry, whoa. Sorry, lots of words today. All right, guys, uh, that's about it, I believe, for us today. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Thank you, guys. We love you. Good night. Love you, guys.